listen, this is a moment for me that is different than anything I ever expected. And, and I, I, I've spent my, my emotions in my life in the past week has been such a roller coaster. On Monday, I stood in front of 150 people attacking our recovery ministries and, and just tried to proclaim the heart of God. And we're just trusting God to move there. I want you to be in prayer over that. I know God's moving because there is a war against it. Um, my family started getting threats against us as a result of the stand we've taken um, to support the men in our recovery ministry who matter greatly to us, and they should matter greatly to you. Um, while we were in the morning of that, we decided to go on a date on Tuesday. And while we were on that date on Tuesday, I went to the restroom and found a text from my brother saying 911. When I called, my dad had passed away suddenly. I, I remember sharing with y'all just a couple weeks ago how, you know, God had done the shift 10 days prior to that. After two years of not being able to lay eyes on the man, we got to spend Christmas with him. And I don't think God makes mistakes. But as, as the week went on, man, I've been in a roller coaster of regret. I'm just going to be honest with you. Maybe y'all can relate with this emotion. Many of you have people in heaven just wanting one more conversation because some things still needed to be said. Some things needed to be apologized for. And the cool thing is, is he's in heaven where he doesn't care. That's why my wife keeps telling me, Josh, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. But I still do. Some of you in this room, you may still do too. And, and I'll be honest with you, it's the graciousness of God. Do y'all remember what we preached on last week, the passage of when God takes the tent down? This earthly body is gone. And Paul's saying, I want to be out of this body and I want to be with the Lord. My dad worked hard his entire life and um, literally at, at, at Christmas told me that he was finally going to retire. And his retirement was eternal. I told my wife, I think my dad went through hell to get to heaven. And I'm thankful the hell he went through was his worst day on earth, and it's never the hell that those that do not Christ, know Christ have to go to. I was going to take a, term in t a sermon today from 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, starting in verse number 3. But God knew exactly where we needed to be. It's still 2 Corinthians 6, but it's verse number 1. And if you'll give me just a few minutes, and if I can make through it by the grace of God, there's something that's been screaming at me. Jordan texted the elders the day that my dad died and said, somebody needs to be ready for Sunday. And I said, no, they don't. No, they don't. I'm going to be there. My brother told me last night, he said, you're going to be an emotional wreck. He said, I tried to preach one time after a tragedy in my life, and it was all sobs, and it was all cries, and I didn't even get the message out. And he said, it was just a lot of sobbing. I said, well, you just described every Sunday morning from the past 10 years of my life. <laughs> I cried. It's not going to be different. It's just going to be, it's just going to be, he said, yeah, your delivery is a little different than mine. This week has brought a lot of healing and a lot of revelation. I had a lot of conversations with my brothers, giving perspective to a lot of the things I went through as a child. It's a lot of conversations that I really wish would have happened years ago. Because had I known some of the things I know now, maybe things could have been different. But the one thing I do know now is you never know when that text is going to hit your phone, do you? And you never know when life can change. And the guarantees you had yesterday are gone. The plans you have for tomorrow are no more. 
You never know. And when Paul was writing to the church of Corinthians and the Corinth, and he was telling them, hey, listen, like, hey, we struggle, but we need to live lives that are better than the struggle. We're pressed, but we have faith. We're crushed, but we're not giving up. We're not abandoning who we are. He pivots in chapter number six, which by the way, in the Bible, when Paul wrote this letter, there was no chapter six. It was just the next paragraph. Y'all realize that, right? So when we're going to chapter six, it's just the continuation of five. But in there, he starts with this, as God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. Oh my gosh, how much can we say that today? How many of you, God heard you at the least like deserving moment of your life or the most broken place that you've ever been or the dirtiest you ever were? God heard you right where you are and on the day of salvation. I like this. I helped you. And here's the statement. Indeed, in the new NLT, I like this, the right time. Say it with me, is when? Now. Today is the day of salvation. Today, if I'm going to title the sermon, it's going to be now. Now. You know, I, I got in the car after my uh, Christmas with my family. I looked at my wife and I said, one day soon I'm going to get a call that my dad's dead. Didn't know it'd be 10 days later, but just saw it and experienced that he wasn't himself. Something was off. And I'm going to tell you what brought me a lot of healing yesterday is I was scared because the funeral was going to be about 45 minutes away that, that nobody would be there. That's literally what I thought. It's like, no, nobody's going to come and support my dad. I, 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 I didn't know all the impact my dad had had. And if you were there and about 30 of you were they shut the doors and cut people off and wouldn't let them keep coming in because for two solid hours, hundreds of people came. I got overwhelmed standing by the coffin. It's the first coffin I've actually looked at the person in it in about 15 years. And, and I had to start walking the line. And as I walked the line, I met over 100 people that said, your dad led me to the Lord. Your dad led me to the Lord. At the end of his funeral, two men from the workplace that he worked at up until his death came walking in and dropped screws in his casket. And they told my brother, they said, um, my, your dad at the end of every workday would come by and ask for our extra screws. So today we went to work and at the end of the workday, we brought the extra screws and they put it beside him and they said, I think it was a week or so, I might get the timing on before my dad fell in October and they let him go, that he led them both to the Lord. And I'm sitting there and sometimes if we're not careful, we'll let the bitterness of our life, the anger and the resentment of our life Rob us of the moments we could have in life. Keep us from the possibilities of now, what could be today. I sat down with someone in our church this morning and I said, as I looked at my dad in the coffin yesterday, I thought of you. And the one thing that God told me to tell you is, do not leave regrets on the day that you look down and see your loved one there. Church, I'm going to tell you this. You, you and I are living a very fragile life according to the book of James. Our life is a mere vapor. It appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. None of us are guaranteed. And I know that sometimes we use that to scare people into salvation and say, you could die on your way home. Is that a truth and a reality? Yes. Is that the reason you should get saved? Absolutely not. The reason you should get saved is the fact that there's an almighty God that in breath can create universes that instead of spending his time creating more 
more things for his glory. He created you and wanted a relationship with you. And then when sin flawed it, sent his son to die for you because he is madly in love with you. And the reason you should accept Christ today is not to get a ticket to heaven and not to avoid the death and the pain of hell, but to experience a love that only God can give an agape style that covers all sin, drives out all fear, meets you where you are, accepts you as you are, and raises you to who you should never be. It is not the reason today of all your time is running out. The reason today is God has given you this moment, and in this moment, he loves you deeply, and you need to know it, and beyond knowing it, you need to experience it. You need to receive it. So when is time for salvation? Somebody say it. Say the three-letter word with me, right? Come on. It is what? Now. Now's the time. Don't delay it. Now's the time because you're worth it. Now's the time because heaven lives for it. It beats for it. The throne of God would be empty without the saints. You realize that? That the only reason heaven is in existence today is because God loves you so much that he doesn't want a death till we part. He wants a together forever and never apart. That's what God wants. And so today, you need to make your decision on your faith because there's some things in your heart that need healed. There's some sins in your heart that need covered. But you and I cannot do that on our own. We cannot pay for our sins, nor can we heal from our hurts. Anybody else in here say, I need help to save me from me? Yeah. But it goes beyond that. I've been told some stories this week that's totally shifted my perspective. My brothers have shared things with me, and I'm going to keep those intimate. That I literally looked at them and said, why didn't you tell me this? And you know what their answer was? Because we wanted to protect you. I'm going to tell you the greatest protection you can ever have is to understand that you can have an abundant life right here today. The greatest protector that you could ever have is to know that you can be different, that things can change. Relationships can be stronger and things can be more valuable. You better believe it. I'm always affectionate with my kids. This week, they're probably sick of me. You know, I always love on them and I hug them, but this week it's going to be a little bit different, right? And I know some of you have experienced that, but the one thing that I've realized is some of us just need to understand that the reality we created might not be the reality at all. That what we saw might not be what was. My dad was a, a, a man that helped a lot of people and, and my bitterness kept me from seeing that. My anger and my resentment kept me from experiencing that. The, the moments that I created and saw in my mind kept me from experiencing what hundreds of people, do I have the memories that they have? No, but as they were speaking, you know what I realized is I have memories that I can't even remember because the anger and resentment is blinding. I had things that were there, the experience that I had as I was driving to his, 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 his funeral home. I told my wife, that's the place that I ran across country race where my dad met me on the last curve and screamed, son, you're in first place. You're in first place. Finish strong. And I said, I don't even know how we did it. I ran. I don't know if there was twists and curves. I can't remember. But by the time I got to the finish line, he was already there, which means he had to be faster than me. 
I remember coming across that line, the only race I ever won in cross country, collapsing and throwing up, and my dad falling on me and grabbing me and saying, you did it! <laughs> but that wasn't there until yesterday. You know what God told me? Now's the time to deal with your resentment. Now's the time while we have the people and the loved ones that are still alive to deal with the things that are keeping us from having those relationships. I told my wife, how many people could have a mended relationship with one simple phone call, but anger and resentment's keeping it from happening? How many people could have total restoration, total renewal? Doesn't mean total resolution, by the way. Please write this. If you're gonna take a note, put this in your note. Stop seeking resolution meaning I have to resolve everything and sometimes just be happy with the restoration and saying, you know what, we screwed that up, but we're going to move on from here. You know what, you were wrong and I was right, but I'm not going to tell you that. We're just going to move on from here. To say to yourself, I was wrong, you were right. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What matters is this. Look around the room. Know the people that are in your life. Is any son and daughter, is being right in any of our lives worth missing out on the rest of someone's life today? Absolutely not. You need to deal with your resentment. You need to let your grudges go. I'm going to take a step further. You need to deal with sin now. What does the Bible say about the evolution of sin? That lust, when conceived, brings forth what? Sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth what? Death. I remember standing one day and saying, the one cool thing about this evolution process is that at any point you can kill it. At any point, it can change. You say, my lust is out of control. Great, don't let it turn into sin. Let's deal with that now. You say, but I don't like the way I've acted. I don't like the things that I've done. Let's stop now. You say, well, what does death mean? Death can mean the end of a relationship. Death can mean the end of career. The death can mean the closed door of an opportunity. Death could mean that you lose a little part of yourself. Hey, I'm telling you this, you live in sin long enough and you will get numb to its effects and you will get numb to the realities of God. And at some point you become okay with sin because you've lived in it so long that you now have let it be your normal. And we hear a society that constantly says, well, this is how I was born. This is who I am. No, you've just lived in that sin too long and now you believe it's a reality and just because it's your truth doesn't make it the truth. And at some point, we got to realize that the only reason Satan wants us tripped up in sin is he knows he can come in for a kill. He can come in and instill. He can take the joy. He can take the happiness. He can take your loved one. He can take the thing away from you that you need the most, that you value the most, that brings the most into your life. Sin is fun for a season, but it always brings destruction in its wake. How many of you have ever been in the ocean when the waves were high? And when I was younger, I was more adventurous than I am now. But when you had a boogie board in your hand, you didn't want the Gulf Coast. You didn't want the lake. You wanted the one that's taller than you. Anybody else ever done this? And you would stand there and you would wait and you would jump in to that biggest wave. But how many of you have ever been standing there waiting on the wave only to realize that the wave going in creates something coming out? And you ever had that moment where you thought you were getting pulled deeper than you could go? 
And you got a little bit nervous and you got a little bit scared because while you got in and everything crashing is fun, the rebound is not. And I think sin, if we're honest, is the same way. It brings in a way, but then boom, when it rips you out to sea, it leaves you with nothing but fear and shame and regret. And I'm telling you this right now, there's no addiction worth losing time with your family. There's, there's no sin worth losing time with your babies and your children. You know, uh, one thing that we have said to each other, Jordan and I, many times is nobody else is going to raise our kids. Like, it's in my mind, ready? No other man is ever going to come into my house and pretend to be dad. Now, if you're that stepdad and you're doing that, I applaud you. But I just don't want that for my kids, right? And then if I don't want that for my kids, then you got to live a certain way. You got to make certain changes. You got you to make certain, um, it's a bad word, right? Compromises. Certain give takes. You got to deal with things in the now. I'm telling you now, a lot of people, a lot of couples think that I can bury this and it won't mess with me. My brother made a statement too and he said, he, you know, and he has great memories and he was like, man, here lately I'm struggling with the fact that all the bad memories are flooding up. And I was like, it's opposite for me. I told the elders this, that's why church started late is I was over there just kind of reminiscing with a, a couple of the pastors and a couple of elders. And I was just like, you know, it's opposite for me. Like all the bad had kept the good away so long that now some of the good's flooding in and it's refreshing to the soul. But I, I'm going to tell you this now from an honest pastor's heart. I wish this would have happened years ago. And then all of a sudden, Wade's talking to me this morning about a Craig Rochelle message. DJ's talking to me about how they've got this beautiful painting up there. How many of you have seen this analogy? And, 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 and it's beautiful. And if you're looking at the picture, they said you wouldn't even imagine anything wrong with it. But then they take this little frame and they start focusing in on little sections and they go to one section and this frame becomes totally black. And now here's this beautiful painting and all you can see is the black. And I'm telling you this right now, that's what resentment does to you. You got all this possibility, all this opportunity and the bitterness and the resentment says, nah, this is what it is. And I think we're living in a church right now that uh, age that, that we, we carry a lot of entitlement and entitlement brings a lot of resentment because we believe we deserve to have what we want to have and we're mad at anybody who says we can't have it. And if we're not careful, we start looking at God that way and we start treating, I like how Bree taught a sermon to our youth one day on as he's a genie in the bottle that we just kind of rub the lamp and we're like, God, I need my three wishes and I'll believe. But when God doesn't grant the wish the way you wish it, if we start blaming and we start getting mad and I hear people say all the time, if God was real, this would have never happened. Hey, it's the fact that God is real. These things are happening. And it's the fact that his love is there that we experience it. I always tell them, they're like, well, if God loved us, why are there hurricanes and why are there this? Because if God didn't love us, we would already be in a place of perfection and this imperfect world would already be gone. Because in order for God to take out all evil, he has to take out anything capable of evil and look around the room. That means all of us have to go. But God's love and his grace leaves imperfect people on a planet because God loves us enough to not let us die in imperfection, but instead sends a son to rescue us from it. The time to communicate is now. Say what needs to be said. Do what needs to be done. 
I got home about 1.40 or 1 o'clock, I don't even know, in bed by 2 a.m. this morning. And because my brothers uh, wanted to spend some time together after the funeral. And so we spent time with extended family. And then I took my mom home and sat in my dad's chair and went and sat in the place where he died. And went over and I sat down with him. And Matt looks at us and he says, there's one thing I need you all to make us a promise is that we're not going to let it be Thanksgiving to Thanksgiving anymore. Or Christmas to Christmas. That we're going to do what we can to get our kids together and our families together in the in-between. He said this statement. He said, our family is no longer going to have any secrets. And I'm telling you right now, those words are powerful. Because if true, a unity will come from that. It's never been known. You know what's driving wedges between you and other people? It's a lack of communication. How many of you have made this? I heard this. Secrets don't make friends. They make enemies. You say, well, if I say how I feel, I may lose them. You may gain them. And the fact that you think you could lose them could be a temptation from Satan to keep y'all from the best days you've ever had in that relationship. You know, I remember I, one of the questions I'll ask in pre-marriage counseling, get ready for this, is I'll ask the, what do you not like about each other? And I always tell them, I'm going to give you a week and you cannot come back and say nothing because that is a lie. There's something about the person in your life that can drive you crazy. Somebody give me an amen to that. It's true. I remember, I remember one couple sitting in my office was this room right here. And, and, and I said, what do you not like about each other? And he said, I hate that she burps. It's literally what he said. I hate that she burps. She jerked her head around and dropped her jaw. And she was like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, it's, it's just, it's nasty. <laughs> That's what he said. I looked at him. I said, what do you? What, I looked at her, what do you hate? And she said, I hate that he slaps my butt. He dropped his jaw. He looked at her and said, what? She's like, it's annoying. <laughs> it's annoying. I said, can I tell you all about something? Because they were in my youth group. They were in one of my first youth groups. And I said to him, when, um, when y'all first met, y'all know how you met? Oh, yeah, we were upstairs in the youth room and, and we just started talking. No, that's not how you met. You met because Ivy... You let out one of the loudest belches I'd ever heard a female do. And Jared was sitting on the other side of the room and jerked his head around just like he did today. Looked at you as you were belching and looked. It's like Cupid just shot out of your bad breath. I don't know what happened. It, it changed his mind. And, 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 and she literally looked at him and said, that's why I thought you liked it. He's like, I hate it. It also teaches another valuable lesson. You know what attracts you to somebody will one day repel you from somebody if you don't nurture it. I mean, I found this, we always say this, I'll give you this little analogy. Skunks marry turtles. How many of you have heard this? You'll hear this again. Skunks marry turtles. Um, how many of you have never heard this? Ready? Skunks marry, okay, let me give it to you in a nutshell. Ready? Um, there's always the person, uh, not always, it's not 100%. There's a, normally the person in a relationship that when they get threatened or they get angry or they get backed into a corner, they stink it up. Skunk. You know what a skunk does when threatened? Somebody tell me. You're in the South. Sprays. 
And all of a sudden you get word vomit and you get yelling, you get screaming, you get aggressive behavior, you get all this. And it's not because they're a terrible person. It's just when they're threatened, they tell up, they spray. I'm going to give you a new way to look at your husband or wife, right? Like, yeah, your tail's in the air, right? Like, that's it. You're sprayed. The other's the turtle. And that's the person that when they get threatened or they get scared or they feel like somebody's being aggressive, they, they shell up. They turtle. They shut down. And what makes a relationship volatile is you got a skunk spraying and a turtle in a shell and no communication. That's why I believe one of the greatest, most powerful books you need to read in your relationships is The Five Basic Love Languages by Gary Chapman. It's not the only one, but it's good. Another one, can I give it to you? For him only, for her only. Another one, can I give it to you? Wild at heart. Ladies, when you read it, you're going to have a little animosity towards your husband. But you need to know him. You need to know how they think. You say, well, I'm not a reader. I'll tell you this right now. If you're not a reader, the word of God is never going to impact your life. And you need to change it because the word of God is the only hope you have for your life. Ready? Learners are leaders. Say it with me. Ready? Learners are leaders. All right. So I'm going to do a little poll here. I know we're on Facebook. So Jordan, stay out of the chat. She'll be in the second service. All right. Um, Who do you think I am in the relationship? Skunk or turtle? Okay. All right. That's weird. All right. I am definitely, definitely, definitely the skunk. Nathan lived with us three years. Nathan, is that true? Yes. I'm the, I'm threatened and it just, I explode. Jordan's a turtle. Now we always joke, push Jordan far enough. She comes back out of the shell, a ninja turtle. I mean, she'll get you. One of the biggest issues we've had in our marriage, and I think you need to hear this from a platform, because some of you think your marriages are broken and they're not. It's a common attack against marriage. One of the biggest issues we have, communication. We're not, sometimes we're just, we're not on the same page. A lot of times we listen defensively. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I come from a world of trauma. Me and Grace, and many of you in this room do too. I literally sat at a funeral yesterday and watched two churches go by me, the people that visited. I looked at my wife and I said, you've got my brother's church and you've got our church. And the people of it don't look the same. Now, I hope he's not listening, but I take our church any day. I love our church. I love who you are. I love the people you are. But no one in here is made to feel less than. And I'm not saying their church did that at all. They were wonderful. But as I went through the line, I started meeting people from my dad's church. And I met people who had been through struggle and been through real. And they were telling me stories and stories. And I got in the car and I was like, Jordan, dad's church looked a lot like ours. And she said, I've never said this, but I'm going to give it to you because it's a compliment. You're more like your dad than you know. And for the first time in my life, I was able to receive that as a good thing. Sometimes we'll drive home in a total silent car. My mind is creating a dialogue of how a conversation should be. Hers is dating. They're creating a dialogue of how a conversation should be. But guess what's not happening? A conversation. 
I'm developing feelings on what's going on. She's developing feelings on what's going on. I'm developing realities. She's developing realities. But guess what's not happening? Reality. And then we, we shut down. We'll go our separate ways. You to your room, me to the living room. You here, you me there. And the next thing you know, there's a separation. And I have found this to be true this week. So, so real and so evident that Satan works great in silence. And he loves to keep our mouths shut. He loves to keep the praise on the inside. He loves to keep us assuming that people know how we feel and know what we think. And God said that the redeemed of the Lord Say so. With the mouth, we set the course of our life. Matter of fact, can we, can we put this in our notes? There is more, there are more, sorry, verses in the Bible about your tongue than any other part of your body. God talks about your communication five to one on your sexual organs. He talks about how we speak way more than he talks about our sexuality. Because this is important. There's things your wife needs to hear. There's things your kids need to hear. The I'm proud of you needs to be spoken, not assumed. The high fives need to happen. The that a girl, I'm going to embarrass my kids because they deserve it. They deserve to know they got a dad that's proud. I remember watching some of Jordan's dance videos and when she would take the stage as a young girl, hearing her family overtake the audio of the, of the screen as she was making her way out there. And she would always get comments on how she had the greatest facial expressions, am I right? And, and the greatest movements. And my wife is an incredible dancer and, 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 and loves and has a passion for it. And I think sometimes the expression that can come out on the stage is because of the voices you hear in the audience and you know you're not on that stage alone you're not doing this by yourself too many people are living their lives alone even in crowds of hundreds and thousands even in homes of five and six feeling alone the thing that haunts me the most is where my dad died in the bathroom by himself. But the thing that gives me greatest joy is it had to be immediate. And then I get this great joy that he didn't die alone. There were angels in that room. There's a Holy Spirit in that room. The presence of God in that room. And if God can grab Lazarus off the streets and his angels escort him to heaven, my dad was taken by the hand of God from this place to that. But the truth is this. No one in our life should ever feel alone. We need to say what needs to be said today. I implore you, if you have children, pick up the phone today. Let them hear your voice. I was reading back through the text messages, and the last time me and my dad text was the year that Alabama of all weeks for Nick Saban to retire, by the way. The year that Alabama played Georgia in the SEC championship and won. And the year that they played them in the national championship, same year, and lost. It's the last two times my dad had a phone to text. 
And as we were texting back and forth, I realized something about my dad at the funeral. He was a double agent. He texted my brothers the same way during football games. And it hit me that while he was encouraging me for Alabama to beat Georgia, he was encouraging them for Georgia to beat Alabama. (laughs) The last words he put in that text were, son, they're going to lose this one, but I'll always love you. It's my last text from my dad. It shouldn't take a tragedy for me to pull that back up. And I fear too many times we wait till opportunities are lost to remember what mattered. We wait till time has passed to wish for more time. When the Bible says, indeed, the right time is when. So I'm going to give you this, and I've already gave it to you, but let me just give it, if you're taking an outline, number one, right now you need to forgive somebody. Forgive. Forgiveness is a prison that if you live in, it doesn't put them in prison. I've heard Chris say this and others. The person you hate is not in prison. You are. They're moving on with their lives. They're not even thinking about the thing that you're thinking about. You're the one that's losing sleep. You're the ones that's losing friends. You're the one blocking people on Facebook. It is you. Set yourself free and forgive. Just as Christ, just as God, through Christ Jesus, forgave you. I don't know how to forgive. What has God given you? Give it away. What has God overlooked in you? Now, if you need a process of we don't accept bad behavior and forgiveness doesn't mean you can treat me any way you want to treat me. Forgiveness doesn't mean we restore the relationship right where it left off. Forgiveness means that you're going to change some behaviors. I'm just not going to hold your past behaviors against you while you make the change. And if you want the relationship to restore, I can forgive you without restoring the relationship. But I can forgive you in a place to where you can make the correct actions to restore the relationship. If you've got it, say got it. The next thing is you need to communicate. I need to communicate. I came here today because I don't know where else to go. I find my hope and my peace in Jesus Christ. I find the love of God. My wife has been incredible this week. And I told her that, you know, normally I'd keep that to myself and I would think what an amazing woman. But when I got in the car last night, I looked at her and I said, you have been amazing. You know, it was hard for me to get it out because I'm not used to doing those kind of things. But when it came out, it was amazing and the results were great. A held hand, some cuddle time. And what do you need when we get home? We'll keep that for the bedroom. All right, but the thing is, is listen, we have to have the moments in our lives that we look at each other and say, John, I see you and you matter to me. And I'm thankful for a drummer that works third shift and still shows up on a Sunday morning after to play the drums, right? Like Jimmy is going through a very hard time with his son right now in a transition of his life, but you don't see that on his face when he's up here playing a guitar and celebrating God. Trey's been sick and battling things in his own life and showing up. Glenda, my God, what you have been through. And yet every bad moment of my life, every highlight moment in my life that woman shows up and plays the piano for it I don't care where it's at in the nation she finds a way to be there you say what at some point of your life step back and realize that the reason we're ungrateful is because we don't communicate about the things that matter to the people that matter when it matters and it matters now and you need to tell them you need to love them the reality is too If you've never received the Lord, you need to do that now. Now. What is your life of vapor, right? But you know what I love about vapors? 
They can be a fragrance, an aroma. They can set a setting. Y'all might find this weird. I probably should have saved it for the second service. But Last thing I did before I left my mom and dad's house last night was I got on my knees at his seat in the living room. I put my head in the seat. I inhaled as deep as I could. Just get the fragrance of my dad one more time. I said a short prayer because it's all I could do. God, thank you for heaven. We're no longer fragrances. aromas that last forever. I like how he wrote it. We won't be spirits. That's the next. It's in this chapter. It's in the chapter before this one. We won't be spirits just wondering, but we'll get new bodies. Aren't you thankful for that? Anybody else ready to trade in the one you got? Please don't make plans. Let God have control of when that happens. But anybody else say this one's got some beat up stuff to it or I don't know about you. We get new names. Isn't that a cool thing? You will not know me in heaven as Josh Moore. I will never have to go into a grocery store of heaven and wonder who knows me there because they won't know. It's a whole different name and that name has no history. It just has possibility. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Isn't it going to be awesome to sit around the throne of God and, and just worship? My dad lived his life even in his own family, a lot of times as the underdog or the outcast. And his parents are both dead. I told my wife, I think one of the coolest things right now about heaven is my dad is spending quality time with his parents without the other three's opinions. He's getting mom and dad to himself. He's meeting four of my children that I've never met before. And, and none of this stuff matters there. So can we, can we just write this in our notes? Ready? If it's not gonna matter there, it shouldn't matter here. All right, will you say that with me? If it's not gonna matter there, it shouldn't matter here. If it matters there, it needs to matter here. Your salvation matters there. It needs to matter here. Your relationships matter there. They need to matter here. What you do in your life matters there. It needs to matter here. Didn't we read that our last verse last week? For one day, we will stand before God and be judged and get rewarded based on the good or the evil that we have done. If it matters there, may it matter here. You matter there. In my heart, you matter here. Your soul, your life, your families, they matter there. Let them matter here. Now, let them matter, not tomorrow. Now let them matter, not after you get the next five things on your to-do list done. Now they need to matter because you don't know if there is a later or if it is going to be a, I'll see you later. It needs to matter now. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ, my heart longs to see you come to that relationship and experience what he can give that no one else can give to you. If you have received Jesus Christ, 
then serve the Lord now. Do something for him now. People's eternities matter. Your service matters. And so I think we need to raise people that, that know that people are fragile, right? That, that eternity is permanent. And that if we truly love, we share. I have been told this week more times than I ever want to hear again in my life. I love recovery ministries, just not in my backyard. To which we have said many times in our house, if you can't love it in your backyard, you don't love it at all. Don't get me wrong. I support them. Just not here. Oh, no. If you can't support them here, you don't support them at all. A check and an offering plate doesn't make right your relationship with Christ. Can I just give you that? I think a lot of people sometimes it's like my butt in a seat makes my relationship right. It doesn't. My, my, my dollar as it goes by makes it right. No, you know what makes it right? Your heart, your mind, your communication, your forgiveness, where you are, how you stand, how you live, what you do. You know what makes it right? How you act and behave and who you are right now. That's what changes it. Not whether you go to church or what you, it's how you live in your life, how you're serving the Lord. And I do not want to get to heaven one day and realize that I could have served him more. I want to get to heaven one day and say, God, I served you now. I served you every now you gave me. I love somebody and I gave it to you. I'm trying to communicate better. God, I'm trying to do these things. I don't know. I think we just need a new reality of the now. Embrace it and change the way we view our lives and others here today. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes and no one look around and and, and let's be real. How many of you would be honest with me and say that a lot of the things that you're worried about, caught up in, or that are taking your joy and happiness, getting your focus, are things that will not matter in heaven? Would you slip your hand up in the air and say yes? All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. How many hours you worked at work is not gonna matter in heaven? Does work matter? Yes, but how many hours? No, it's not gonna matter. How many of you be honest with me and say, I need a new perspective of now. I need to have some conversations now. I need to let go of some things now. I need to get some things right now. Is there anybody in the room that says, okay, God, right now, here I am, where I sit. I am just going to be honest with you for a second. So today, I'm not gonna have an invitation where you come down. I'm gonna have Glenda just softly play something. And I want you right there to identify the what needs to change in your life right now and have a conversation with God. And don't make promises, seek his help. I think sometimes I find in my life that I'm like, God, I'm gonna serve you. When the reality needs to be, God, I, I need your strength and your guidance and your wisdom and your conviction. I need your kick in the tail sometimes. I, I need your reminders of the good in my life. And God, I want to serve you. I want to serve you. Become my how. Become my where. Become my when. I've told Jordan a billion times, I want one more conversation with my dad. She keeps saying, you will one day. But that's not what I want. I want it now. Here's the reality. I can't have it. But you know what I can do? I can talk to the ones I still have. Care deeply for them and let them know. I can reach another lost person 
for Jesus today. May it be said of me that at my funeral, that people I worked with just a few weeks prior walked in and dropped some screws in my casket and said, in his last week, he led me to the Lord. May that be the way I go up. Anybody else say me too to that? May the trumpet sound finding me loving Jesus and sharing him. May Jesus return finding me living a righteous life, a holy life, worthy of the call that he's placed on my life, loving other people, not judging or condemning anyone, but sharing the gospel. Where is there anybody else that slip a hand up and say, God, may you come back finding me faithful. Or may you take me home finding me faithful. Now, I don't want to get into the intimate parts of your life. You can do that with any one of us after the service, but for those of you that haven't talked to your family in years, maybe right there, you give some forgiveness and get a determination that as soon as you can get to the car, you're making the call or sending the text. For those of you that argued on the way to church today and your marriage is strained or your kids are going through trauma because of what they experienced on the 30-minute car ride, maybe you get back in the car and say, hey, kids, mom and dad, Sorry. We shouldn't have behaved the way we did this morning. Mom and dad's trying and working hard on becoming better. Will y'all pray for us as we learn to communicate? You, you know what a habit we've got into in our family is when we get in the moment, and we do with our kids sometimes, and we'll elevate our voice, one of the things we'll do is we'll go back in the room and we'll sit back down with them and say, I should not have ever yelled at you, and I am sorry. I have a little girl that's constantly, I heard my mother-in-law tell this to my wife yesterday, last night, this morning actually. I wonder why Canaan is constantly asking, Grammy, are you proud of me? Do you see that? Are you proud of me? Truth is, if you read the five basic love languages, it shows her love language. She's a words of affirmation person. Jordan made a statement. She probably gets that a little bit from her daddy. The truth is there is a look that hits that little girl's face every time we look at her and say, I'm so proud of who you are. <clears throat> We're not trying to just build her confidence as a four-year-old. We're trying to set her value as a single young woman when she's older. We're trying to raise the bar of what she'll sell herself for. What she'll settle for in her life. We're trying to secure a personality. I, I, my kids will not be raised without hearing, I'm proud of you. You know what? We're going to get in a better habit at Grace at looking at the hundreds of volunteers that we have and saying, we're thankful for you. We see you. We notice you. We're thankful for the Wades and the Angies and the Paulines that pour the coffee every single Sunday morning. We're thankful for the Libbies and the Caseys that pick up that coffee to be able to pour every Sunday morning. We're thankful for Howard who puts the toilet paper in and his precious girls who have spent many hours 
washing those windows that you will touch so much this week without ever thinking about the handprints it leaves behind and the hours of work it takes just to get it to where you can see a clear stage without a handprint in view. Let's be people of now. I'm thankful that I'm saved right now. Anybody say amen to that? And if you're not, make it your now. Make it your now. Let's stand and grab somebody's hand and close with a word of prayer. Thank you for being gracious with me this morning. My heart needed to be here. It needed to be here and share what God had placed on it. I hope that we have done justice to the word of God today. And I really do hope that your heart is encouraged to go out and seize the moment. Make the moment count. Don't let it pass. Enjoy today. Enjoy today. I, I, I wonder if we're going to get to heaven and hear God say, you should have worked harder. Or sometimes if we're going to get to heaven and God say, you should have sat down with your family and watched a movie. You should have taken a break. See, God's, I, I believe this. He is not interested in the quantity of work you do as much as he's interested in the quality of work you do. He's not interested in how much you can give. He's more interested in how willing you are to give. And today, little is much when God is in it. Just give him a little Give it to him now. Whether time, word, action, deed, whether generosity or whatever, give it to him now. And let's let God change our hearts into people that one day stand at coffins or stand in heaven, not carrying near the regrets we would carry right now if the relationships that were strained would end. Let's pray. God, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for your word. Thank you for the strength to get through this moment. Thank you for the, the presence that you've had in our lives this week. Just many times that we've seen you, the things that you've done, just to remind us you're there. Unique, cool things that just prove your existence. God, I pray that today at least one person will leave here having accepted you as their Savior and Lord. And at least one person would leave here with a different perspective on the realities of what's going on in their life right now. That as we leave here, we'll be determined to not waste these lives that you have gifted us, but to embrace them. To not take for granted the relationships you have surrounded us with. But to put some hugs on some people and to love them deeply. To live with no regrets, but with great hope and expectation of you. God, may that be our heart. And it's in Jesus' name we pray these things, thankful and grateful. And everyone said, amen.